You're listening to the Fatherhood Channel podcast, hosted by Bob Jamarco. I'll be discussing fatherhood, co-parenting, and how to make those things work for you and your child. Hi, welcome back. Obviously, the world has changed significantly since the last episode. In fact, the episode you're going to hear today is my appearance on the Divi Divorce podcast, which was awesome with uh, Heather and Teresa. We had a great time with a lot of laughs. Coming up real soon uh, will we'll be a whole bunch of talk about uh, parenting during the stay-at-home order that uh, we had here in Arizona and in many other places. Uh, in addition to a new segment called Ad Dads, I'll have my first guest from uh, that on uh, the next episode. In the meantime, enjoy my appearance on the Divi Divorce podcast. Welcome again to Your Divorce Coaches, a Divi the Divorce Agency podcast. I'm Heather Candelaria. I'm Teresa Kleinlein. And we're here today with a very, very special guest, Bob I'm, Giamarco. I'm so special. You are. Introduce yourself, Bob. Uh, I'm Bob Giamarco. I have my own podcast and vlog called mm-hmm. the Fatherhood Channel, where I encourage guys to be good dads and good co-parents and, um, frankly, encourage moms to do the same thing, too. But since we're on the since I'm on a panel with two ladies discussing divorce, I'll <laughs> reserve my comments for the men. <laughs> Do men get to be called divorcees? Or is it uh, like you a... Know, like widow, widower. Right, right. Like know. fiance. Fia- okay. Is it divorcer? But before we do that, please go to the Fatherhood channel on Look at Apple pro. Podcasts uh, or the Fatherhood channel on YouTube. Follow my Instagram at BGMix and my Facebook page at Bob Giamarco. Click and subscribe. Click and, Click and subscribe. That's it. It's the fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not just fatherhood. It's the fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like, I like that. It. How do you two know each other? Because I was lucky enough to come into this relationship as a third party. <laughs> so what is You what wouldn't is be the, the first one to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that came out different. I'm sorry. <laughs> track, I'm so sorry. Um, Bob and I have known each other for a very yeah, long yeah. time. I mean, I want to say it's Quantify almost... That. Yeah, about the amount of uh, time I've been in Phoenix, probably a good 15 years. Yeah, 15, least. 16 yeah. years, because I think I met you, I was pregnant with my first daughter when I was a producer at Kramer Crossalt. Right. And Bob is actually a very well-respected, well-known audio engineer that was originally from New York that moved his studio. Well, yeah, you, you kept your studio in New York, but you opened up a studio here. So give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, well, um, I... First came to the Valley in 1988, uh, saw it and fell in love with it, Mm -hmm. and um, then sort of uh, just had in my mind that this was a place I wanted to land, and then a few things took place in in New York. Um, The company I worked for, I worked for a big post group that uh, got bought out by venture capitalists, and they were tools, basically, Mm -hmm. so I, you know... That was one pressure. I was single. I didn't have any kids at the time, so it's like I'm looking all around, and I'm in New York, and I'm doing pretty well, but still, you know, New York, good good Mm -hmm. grief, it's a grind, and, you know, no amount of money feels like it ever solves, you know, any of your lifestyle problems. Um, And then a bunch of guys decided to fly some planes into buildings and make Mm -hmm. it even more crazy. Mm -hmm. So uh, in 2002, I moved here. Uh, Simultaneously, I also opened my own business. So when I first moved here, I used to just commute to New York. Mm -hmm. I remember Um, that. That's kind of sexy, to be but, honest. Well, Bi-coastal. In, the, in the beginning, it actually wasn't that bad because I wasn't working while I was here. So it was basically like a part-time job, which was my agreement with my partners at the time. 
But after being here for a long time and looking at the community here, I realized, you know, we actually had a pretty decent, you know, community of ad developers here. And, you know, that I thought with my, you know, national level skills, that sounds so pretentious, but, um, you know, that I could be successful here. And the, the especially back then, mm-hmm. now things here have exploded, but the difference in costs back then were so astronomical that, mm-hmm. you know, my partners and I bought this building and, you know, with the attitude of like, ah, all right, so you know what? If the studio doesn't work out, we own a building. How bad could it be? Because it was literally one-tenth of what we were spending. Our mortgage payment was one-tenth of what we were spending on rent in New York. Mm-hmm. So um, I opened up here and then we became successful here, very successful. And, um, you know, long story short, I won't bore you with the details, but New York, eventually we wound up closing New York for the same reason most other people, businesses close in New York is because the real estate market's insane and you can't renew your lease. Or in my case, we were, the building was bought and the new tenants, put the new landlords pushed me out. So, um, which is fine. I don't miss flying back and forth to, to New York anymore. And, uh, you know, especially these days right now with the, uh, I don't want to wear a mask on right. a plane. So, oh, you yeah. Know. So you didn't have any children at the time. I didn't so have any children. When, you started that. Didn't have any children when I moved out here. Um, started um, dating someone that I used to work with in 2005 and dated long distance. So she's from New York. Yeah, she was from New York originally. She actually worked for us, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, even though I knew there was always an attraction, the workplace is a big no-no for me, especially as an owner. So I was just like, yeah, it's cool, I'm flattered, but, you know, whatever. I've heard there's and, some people out there that haven't really agree with that lately. Okay, I'm sorry. Talk, <laughs> <laughs> just mute me, Josh. Okay, go uh, um, you know, look, it, it's a different thing for everybody. Unfortunately, I, I my personal experiences in our small little world we had in the post community in New York we had witnessed can I interrupt you real yes. quick just for listeners can you clarify post what post means because uh, well, a lot of people don't know yeah so post production is all the stuff that happens after the production so the production is uh, we try it out a camera someplace we point it at something we click go we click record and then what do we do well we edit it together that's post production we put music to it that's post production we get a voice record that's post-production and we put that all together and that's all post-production and in the early 2000s when we met that actually took a team of people and now you can oh, do yeah. it on your iphone <laughs> well thank god you can't really do it completely well on yes. your iphone at least not for broadcast standards but, True. Uh, but yeah you can do a lot um so anyway the post community in new york was a very small community like it is basically everywhere and um there had been you know a couple of owners of high-profile editorial houses that had relationships uh, with, you know, people that mm-hmm. work there and, you know, they wound up becoming, wound up becoming really, you know, a really big deal. So, you know, in one case, somebody became a partner. Mm-hmm. I mean, so my thing was always like, that's just not any kind of drama that I want. And I don't know, 
as a man, that's always seemed bizarre to me anyway. It's just like, I don't get it. And not that I'm an advocate of cheating, period, anyway, but like, why with your friend? Why with your sister? Good grief. There's not enough people in the right. world. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is that like close to home thing that's so weird with people sometimes? Because men are lazy. Nah, I'm, you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to stick up for men. What's in my immediate vicinity? Men aren't the only ones that are guilty of that. There have been plenty of women that have slept with a guy's brother. So, you I'm know. a trainer. <laughs> The parking lot attendant, <laughs> valet, the guy at the coffee shop. <laughs> but no, seriously, um, I just never really got it, and I didn't want to do it with my company. And back then, I wasn't the sole owner. I had, you know, a response, a fiduciary responsibility to five other guys. So we were six partners, and I was just like, no, this is not going to happen. And then she wound up working for another place, and it happened, and it really became a thing. So you know, ten years later, we had a kid. Um, so she moved out here with you? She moved out here, well, not with me, but mm-hmm. she moved out here to live with me. Okay. Um, and, you know, it just... But you, okay, so just to clarify, you guys were never married. No. We so never you never married. had to go through a formal divorce? Uh, well, I have gone through the formal divorce with a different woman. Okay. But I have not gone through formal divorce in a parenting situation. Got it. Okay. That's so, good. Good to know. Just to be... So Bob and I have known each other for a long time, and I used to sit behind him. I'm very familiar with the back of his head (laughs) (laughs) during post-production for commercials that we did together. And we just, you know, we've been friends for a long time. And what you don't understand and realize in situations like this when you're working, you have a lot of downtime. And you just get to talking, and you talk a lot about, like, your life and what's going on. So Bob and I, he's known me since through my divorce, through yeah. the recession, through all the everything, and we still work together sometimes. And he called me, and he's like, hey, I'm starting this you know, fatherhood channel, and I know that you're doing something with divorce. I think it'd be great for us to kind of collaborate and see how we could work together. So that's kind of how we ended up here, because as Teresa and I have said before, I think it's always great to have a man's perspective on this, and especially when it comes to advocating for your children and co-parenting and the importance of that. And I think that a lot of men don't have that kind of dad perspective. So, well, you know, um, yeah. Look, uh, it's it's tough in a lot of ways because guys get a guys get a bad rap that they oftentimes deserve. Um, I'm not quite sure I understand how that happens. I mean, you know, we talked about this amongst the three of us before, you know, uh, before we were actually recording. Um, it never that never was a thought in my mind. It's like, you know, I think I said exactly this. If I hated you, even if I couldn't stand to be in the same room with you, it would never stop me from being with my child mm-hmm. because that's still my child. So I don't quite get how anybody winds up not being present for their child. That's a big theme for my show is being present because it's the single most important thing you do. It's not about money. It's not about fancy trips. It's not about, oh, I bought you a new whatever. It's not about being a Disneyland dad. It's about being a real dad. Being a real dad means you go and you sit through hours of football practice. You do math homework. You do all that kind of crap. That's way more valuable than anything else you could, you know, possibly do. Mm -hmm. I feel like that, for me, I'm pretty much, as Heather knows, obsessed with the idea of parents sucking it up and trying to get along for the children's sake and psychologically how it's been proven of how kids can turn out if the parents 
get along, which sometimes includes, you know, faking it. Right. Um, and so in addition to showing up for the practices and being the great dad in the regard you just said, tell me about your channel and just your perspective in general on how important you feel it is to, um, you know, treat the ex, treat the mom with respect um, in front of the kid or in in general. Yeah, you know, well. How important that is. It's, it's the... Aside from being there for your kid in the first place, it's the second most important thing you can do um, for a multitude of reasons. I mean, first of all, quite frankly, just be nice to somebody else, even if you don't like them that much. It's so much easier. Why do you want to be, like, angry and crappy all the time? I've seen texts between exes and stuff like that as it relates to the kids, and it's just like, oh, my God, like, what? The, the emotional drain on your own psyche to type those words or speak those words, you don't even know what you're doing to yourself. Was it this easy, though, in the beginning when you guys decided not to be together? Or, um, or did it get easier along the time? Or in the very beginning, were you just able to say, this is how we're going to get along. I'm going to be this respectful from the get-go. Well, yes and no. First of all, for us... Um, a very significant thing is, you know, we, and it sounds very cliche, but we literally just did fall out of love. We grew into two different places. So we weren't dealing with anything. We weren't dealing with an affair. Right. We weren't dealing with, you know, oh, I went out. I, hey, right. hi, honey. Betrayal. That's my new Corvette in the in the driveway mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like Absolutely. there was nothing like that. So, um, but as always, you know, money when money comes into the picture, it always complicates things. Mm-hmm. So um, even though my son's mom and I were never married, we did have a prenup because we had intended to get married, but we sort of just never got around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we actually followed the prenup for the two years that it was negotiated for. And um, but frankly, the prenup was quite generous. So. As we were getting towards, you know, down the road of it not being in effect anymore, uh, you know, I was like, hey, you know, giving her some, <laughs> some things are going to be changing. Things up. are going to be. And changing. when you say generous, I'm generalizing that you were in the position to help her out financially. Well, yes, and okay. I and and certainly paying well more than I would have ever be required by any court in the land or any formula right. you could possibly use. Right. Um, which and I you're had not no resentful with. of that. No, not no one's Were you 50-50? Yeah, well, okay, so we'll back up for a half second. I'm not, uh, not resentful at all because, mm-hmm. first of all, I was the other party to the prenup. Mm-hmm. So to go back after the fact and go, oh, you know, I know I thought this was a great idea at the time. Uh, now I'm pissed off about it. It's like, no, well, it's the whole reason to have one. Mm-hmm. So, no, I wasn't resentful at all. I, you know, believe in my obligations and doing what I'm supposed to do in every aspect of my life. So, no, I wasn't resentful. It wasn't always wonderful, mm-hmm. but I wasn't resentful. Um, and then I think I, I've lost track of the other, other thing that we were about to interject into that 50 50 yeah so we've always been 50 50 and that was never an issue we always knew we were going to be 50 50 and we got past our little financial crisis or not crisis but our financial disagreement pretty quickly um basically because at that point in time i on my own decided you know what this can't and it's something i talk about on my channel all the time 
your custody agreement, all that stuff, it can't be a handshake. A lot of people do it that way, but it can't be a handshake. And quite frankly, from that point of view, that's business. So you have a custody agreement, that's your contract. And as in every other aspect of your life, contract is for when you don't agree. So, you know, if you're selling a house, Heather, mm-hmm. and you got a contract and everything is great, and at the last minute, the buyer goes, you know what, I'm going to give you an extra $15,000. No one's going to protest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's hyperbolic, but the bottom line is you can do whatever you want to do. The contract is for when you don't agree. Right. And so I went, I had a custody agreement uh, done completely on my own accord. I mean, obviously, we talked about it, but I paid for it. Um, and within the boundaries of the custody agreement, I followed the Arizona um, courts, family courts mm-hmm. guidelines for child support. And, you know, we factored the table. all of that stuff in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, based on that, we came up with the new with the new payment, which was significantly less. But that that's OK. That's my responsibility, too. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. And you know, to be frank, some aspects of our situation have actually changed since then. I don't care. It's, you know. You're um, honoring I'm your supposed commitment. to pay. Yeah, I mean, sure, I could go back to court and go, well, is, what is, would it be different? I, I don't even know. But I don't care. It's not an unreasonable, you know, it's not like it's hurting me. It's not mm-hmm. a burden. I'm not sitting here going, oh, my God, the child support payments do. How in the hell am I going to make that payment? I mean, if that was the case, then I would advocate for myself because one of the things that I talk about on my channel all the time, both for men and women, is putting your child first doesn't mean you put yourself last because you can't be a great, if you don't, if you're not making enough money, if you're not working on your career, if you don't have relationships, you know, personal relationships of your own, if you don't have enrichment in your life, how can you possibly be a good parent? There's just no way. If you don't know where the rent or the mortgage payment's coming from, how are you going to be calm and steady with your kid? That's just not possible. So you have to do everything through the lens of how it's going to affect your child. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you put yourself last. And I've seen that a lot with a lot of single moms, unfortunately, who have dads that aren't helping them. And that drives me crazy. (laughs) Because first of all, as a guy, it's your responsibility, dude. So just step up and do what you got to do. If you do it legally within the parameters of the court, it's probably not going to be unfair. I mean, I have an amazing family court lawyer and he would tell you, don't ever try to predict anything you're going to see in family court because I've seen the most ridiculous stuff happen. But by and large, if you're, you know, whatever, if you're if you're a laborer not making a ton of money, you know, yeah, of course, you're not going to be able to, you know, give your your child's mom five or six hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars or whatever it is. But you should always give them something. And there's a formula to figure out what that should be. And, you know, I say it on my channel, too. It's like if I, as a dude, if you're listening to this, telling me you have no way to help support your child, sell the laptop, sell the radio, whatever it is. How, it's like, if oh, you can hear this, you have some money. How old is your son or daughter when you my, got divorced? Uh, or, you know, oh, I mean divorced? when we split up. So yeah. he was, uh, he had, well, it's a little bit of a complicated story. He was four, but technically let's go by when I moved out because we, 
we stayed together for a very long time. Because it was amicable, and you were just well, doing I don't, it to... I, we were roommates, so it was amicable to a degree, but it was also very cold and detached. And was and she worked? Did she have a career great. that whole yeah, time? Yeah, she was working, okay. and, you know, um, it, it was not a particularly comfortable situation. So he was four while that was happening, and when I moved out, he was still technically four, but about to turn five. Okay. So, uh, so it's been four years, basically. I agree with everything you just said, but I think in my own personal experience and a lot of the people that we know and we've talked to, they don't have that, <laughs> that you know, congenial relationship with their ex. Right. Um, you know, a lot of us have had highly contentious divorces. And, you know, with a lot of times, if it's the wife that leaves, I feel like that kind of triggers the man to be more protective of their finances and not want to participate as much in the child's life. How do you think you can really break down the message to these guys? Like, it's not about withholding funds for your child to get back at your ex-wife. Well, yeah, well, I, what you just brought up is a whole complicated thing. So first of all, let's circle back to the notion of uh, what Teresa had started with was how do we, how do you co-parent? Mm-hmm. How do you stay? How do you make it civil? Right. Well, first of all, yeah, this is super hard. And it's hard for women, too. But you have to be non-judgmental. So basically, anything your ex is doing, if it doesn't pertain directly to your child, shut up. If the child is safe. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it's like if they're... Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane. So I'm not good at it. I'm talking, but it doesn't mean I'm... But I'm you not know, good at it. But it's, but, it is, but it's the thing you have to do, and it's one of the hardest things we ever have to do. You experience this all the time in your your family, with your parents, with your siblings, whatever. It's just like, you know, so, you know, one day you wake up, I don't know if you have a sister, but your sister's like, wow, they're blah, blah, blah. It's just like, stop, stop talking. This is none of your business. Why are you lecturing me about this? And it's the same kind of thing, and it at this absolutely works both ways. Unlike support, where I think, men are deficient, this concept of being non-judgmental flies both ways. So it doesn't matter what your ex does in terms of the money they spend, how they spend it, where they go, who they date, none of that matters. It doesn't. And the more you make it matter, the more difficult it's going to be to try and be civil. I can't be civil with you if I'm so obsessed about, oh, she's dating whomever or, wow, nice Gucci bag you bought or whatever. It's just like, did that come at the expense of my child's well-being? Then I can bitch about it. If it didn't, you got to have nothing to say. So when you, so this 50-50 when your son was a little bit younger, you know, you, you have this major career. You're running your whole studio here. You have people working for you. And then it's the time frame when you need to be on as a dad. Right. And so how was that balanced? Because I feel like that when you said men kind of get a bad rap, it's kind of deservingly, it's kind of not. I feel like there's so many books today that are talking about women are supposed to be 100% career, but 100% mom, but try to look good. How is it for a man, you know, you're running a company on those days that you also had to be 100% dad, and how did you balance it? Well, I mean, for me personally, one of the, the best pieces of advice I can give you for any of that stuff is to learn how to remain calm (laughs) because we key ourselves up too much sometimes with deadlines or whatever, and which makes juggling the other thing difficult. I have to be frank. Personally, I love co-parenting. 
50-50 is amazing to me. It leaves me a very, very clear view of when I'm dad and when I'm a bachelor, Mm -hmm. and it makes life really, really simple. I don't make plans. I don't use babysitters. I don't make plans when I have my son. I don't date when I have my son. It's like it's very simple. When I have him, I deal with him. When I don't, then I deal with me. And how the business fits into that, well, you know, I try to carve out as much time as I possibly can for him, but you have to make those decisions calmly. I had this, you know, situation this morning where we had a little bit of a, you know, five alarm fire overnight and this morning up early and reviewing some work and sort of making sure everybody's on the same page. And, you know, I just said to my kid, who's a great kid, so I'm fortunate in that regard, you know, I'm like, dude, you got to got to do all your own stuff this morning, made him breakfast. I said, but I still have to do some work. You got to do all your own stuff. And texted his mom, said, just want to give you a heads up. He might be late for school today. And it's little stuff like that, that goes so far in co-parenting well. Little gestures like that are absolutely huge because you never know when you're going to get hung up on that. Like we have a, a I have a specific story about that. His mom decided to take him out of school one day. They like went for a quick day trip. I went snowboarding in Flagstaff. Awesome. That's great. I hate snow. I hate skiing. I hate boarding. Never want to go. She's going to take him. That's phenomenal. Only problem is she didn't tell me. Oh. I get a call from school around 11 o'clock. Remo's absent today. It's like, wait, what? She could have got that same call if I would have been significantly later or who knows how late I would have been. The bottom line is I could not leave the house until I had reviewed this work and knew the client was satisfied and everything was going to happen. So there was a chance that he might be late. So better to be preemptive about that and say, hey, he might be late for school. I'll let you know exactly what happens. That is a much better feeling and engenders a much better reaction than why is our child not in school today? What do you think made? What do you think made you become that kind of a person? Because I'm guessing that you had that capability before your son. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to wrap your head around, I'm going to tell the mom this, not because I really want to be her friend, but because it's going to create a respectful situation that's better for us in the long run. Like, what made you have that big picture view that? I don't want to say a lot of men don't have, a lot of people don't have. Well, maybe just, you know, business experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a lot. It's very funny, the, you know, the situation Heather was describing earlier when we are talking about how we met and how things work in studios. It's funny. It becomes like a like a kind of an intimate group therapy thing. Like, especially if you... Especially if y'all... Especially where we are. Forgive me, Heather. You, if y'all get along pretty well, it's, you know... It can turn into that very, mm-hmm. very quickly. It's like I have thought sometimes, it's like, wow, I shared some, like, kind of amazingly personal stuff with clients. <laughs> but I think that just learning how to interact with people, you know, look, I, when I was younger, definitely was much more of a asshole. Well, hot-headed, selfish, hot-headed, hot-headed is the better example. (laughs) You know, I used to always get this kind of such an old reference these days, but I would always get the uh, Ralph Cramden uh, comparison from the honeymooner. So you sort of fly off the handle with this hyperbole and then quickly come back down to, oh, it's okay. So 
I don't do that anymore because I just learned that it doesn't really solve a lot of things. But I do want to stress one very, very important point. And it was the same point I was making before. Even though I endeavor to always communicate really, really clearly and well with my co-parent, I'm also not afraid to say, you know, I actually don't think that's any of your business. Which you also need Has to... that gotten a good reaction or a bad reaction? Um, well, if you phrase it all properly, mm-hmm. if you say to somebody, it's none of your business, no. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take two seconds to choose some words more carefully and go, you know, I don't really feel like that's something I need to discuss with you, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that, if you mm-hmm. put it a little bit more nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not in your best interest to know this about me. You know, well, <laughs> <laughs> anything like that yes. is always a better scenario. and. To that same end, you know, one of the things I always talk about as well is don't do a Jerry Maguire. So show me the money. Which part? No, show <laughs> me the money is actually that's not actually Jerry. I like Jer- that part. That's not Jerry. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not Jerry. That's the dude. But um, the you know the the way Jerry Maguire, the premise, the way it starts is he loses everything because he flies off the handle. You know, he basically gets on his soapbox and preaches to mm-hmm. his whole company and and loses everything. Um, So if you get, you know, we text so much these days, but if you get a text or you get a call and you immediately feel yourself getting hot, oh, put that thing down. And that's life experience. I mean, that's just for anything. That's not just for your co-parent. That's work. That's anything. I mean, how often do you guys deal with this in real estate? Like, you know, clients ask ridiculous things. Sellers ask ridiculous, buyers ask ridiculous things. Like, you know, you're sitting there looking, going, oh, come on, what? You know, seriously, but you put it down, you go, okay, let me take a step back and breathe. Mm -hmm. And how long you breathe depends on how big of a deal it is or how long it takes you to calm down. I mean, you know, because look, nine times out of 10, you're not getting the the horrific call, our kid's in the hospital, our kid's really sick. You know what I mean? If If that's what you're getting... Then by all means, yeah, run around like a chicken without a head because, you know, even though calm is probably better in that situation too, a little craziness is is not unjustified. But if it's over anything, you know, I don't know. It's just better to take a deep breath and compose your thoughts so that you, you know, know what you're saying or something, for instance, something that um, – my co-parent and I do all the time if we're texting and it's a little bit of a sensitive issue or maybe it's a little elaborate. We always start off with, you know, I'm doing this quickly. No tone intended. Don't read anything. Mm-hmm. You know, don't Smile, inf- maybe a smiley face. Yeah, Don't infer anything. You know, I mean, that's what we start with. That. As a matter of fact, it's really funny. We had a funny moment the other night because my autocorrect instead of... <laughs> Of saying no tone in this mm-hmm. under pressure for time, it typed no time for this under, under pressure. pressure for time. Leave me alone. And, yes, exactly. And he thinks that's mean. And then I, I know, can my, you believe my phone said this? <laughs> well, you should and then it, mind some of my text messages. <laughs> Holy then it followed with like a whole bunch of other stuff. And then I went back and reread, reread what I had wrote. I was like, oh crap. I'm like, oh, by the way, you know, I meant no tone, not no time, because I saw how quickly and easily that could have been misconstrued. Mm-hmm. And she wrote back, she's like, wow, thank you, because. I thought you were being a little snippy. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, I get it that that's nothing compared to the hateful, vile things people say to each other all snippy. the time. <laughs> but I think that that's something that has to be learned. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of practice. 
me, for the record, not good at that at all. I've had to really learn how to monitor myself and take a step back, take the emotion out of it. And again, like you said, if it's regarding the children, that's the only part of the 24-line text that I deal with. If it has to do with the kids, that's it. But I think that a lot of people, it's okay to not be that composed in the beginning, but you have to understand you have to really work towards that if you want to maintain a really positive relationship with your spouse, which will in turn benefit your relationship with your kid. Yes, absolutely. And and just make your own life easier. I mean, it's way easier when you have a person that's not that doesn't hate you because you've been saying vile things to them. Mm-hmm. Maybe Very... put their name in your phone as like calm yeah. or breathe. <laughs> so whenever oh, their yell. whenever their phone number instead or text of, pops up it instead says of evil right, bitch. Right. <laughs> Don't correct as the mother ever. I didn't say I didn't say what I wanted to say. <laughs> instead of die Satan. You know, I I do I I have something in common with you when you said earlier you know, it wasn't a passionate hatred divorce. Right. You know what I mean? So, And that's how mine was. And so I always tell people, I'm like, I don't want to pretend here and act like this is how you do it. Because mine was so amicable. And I know other people who there was cheating, stealing, whatever. And so they, I can see how they would both be, you know, a little bit more upset or obsessed with each other. Um there's always going to be stereotypes for men and, and women. Um, women are crazy and men are this. And, you know, when it is a kind of divorce where someone feels like they just got completely screwed over and it's hard for them mm-hmm. to take that out of it. It's hard to take the victim out of it instead of I'm going to have a great life. I'm going to move on. What's your advice for men and women on taking yourself out of it as the victim and just moving on with your life, even if you get completely screwed over? Well, you know, you said two things at the beginning of that statement. You said it's, you know, it's understandable to be upset and obsessive. It's understandable to be upset. It's not good to be obsessive. It's not good. I've seen it. It's not good for you, the most important thing. So I always tell you, I had a great life experience, which was my my divorce. Uh, My actual divorce was horrific. And, you know, there was money taken. I mean, at one point in time, I, I laugh about it now, but I, God, it looks like some sort of sad Andy Warhol portrait. Me in a, an apartment in New York with a bottle of scotch, a safe with all my money in it in cash. Are you serious? And my computer, yeah, because, you know, she had taken money out of the bank account. So now I was getting to the point where I was literally like at the check cashing store. Part with... two of this podcast. I know. Exciting. <laughs> I know. Like, tell us more about your first divorce. I, I was at the check cashing store <laughs> with, you know, like the local delivery boy cashing my check and bringing it home and keeping it in the safe because I didn't want want to keep any money in a bank account anyplace because she would take it she wiped it out yeah well she tried to Uh she got some of it but you know uh so for a while it was can i ask you a question yeah were you this evolved during your first divorce oh hell no (laughs) no okay no i learned but the most important thing that i learned from that was the anger you can't only give anger so you're living in anger. Mm-hmm. So while I'm mad, or more importantly, while I'm obsessing over you, I'm also harming myself. Mm-hmm. There's no way for me to obsess you over you and hurt you without hurting myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that you got to grab a hold of because nobody is worth hurting yourself. 
I don't care. And you could have been married for 150 years. It's like, right. you know, wait, it's now between two, the choices between I hurt you or hurt myself. It's like, well, no. <laughs> and it, again, a super hard lesson to learn, especially if you've felt victimized or if you, you know, right. if there's been any, like, God forbid something happens to your children, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's a great freedom in not caring. Like, oh, I think the biggest huge. gift is like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care. Like, that's awesome. Go live your life. I could care yes, less. Yes, it is. It's super important. It's funny. You know, obviously, my son's uh, mom and I have a lot of overlap in, in his social life and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And, you know, there's been situations where casual, nothing odd. You know, somebody will say, oh, what's Jess doing about whatever? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know. And I don't know. Not because I'm being a not because I'm being a dick. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, oh, I don't know, because I'm like, oh, I don't care about this. I don't know because I don't ask because it's not my business mm-hmm. and I stay in my lane. Yeah. Did you guys agree to not introduce <laughs> him to people you were dating? Did you talk about that? Because I had that in my decree. And then I think we both broke it or whatever. But um, in general, a lot of stereotypes about women, but in general, men tend to date faster and a lot and of more times. Seriously. Yeah, but they get into relations a little bit quicker. And I just wonder your opinion on how you guys dealt with that because it seems like you've made a great choice to keep him out of it. Or they rebound quicker. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, well, you know, we didn't have it in our, it's not in our decree. Um, we have spoken about it. Um, she has definitely been more opinionated about certain times of it that I have, but we always sort of try to come back to the same thing. I trust you to never put our child in harm's way. If you introducing them to somebody you're dating is going to cause them harm, we have much bigger problems Mm -hmm. as to what's going on. I trust you to have that judgment that you're not going to have some one night stand while you know, our child is potentially walking through the house. So, and if you would allow something like that to happen, that's the least of the problem. Mm-hmm. The problems are much bigger than that. I hope that answers your question, but I think you, everybody's different. Everybody has to get to where they want to agree on it. Um, is your advice to men on your podcast, like, hold off. Don't introduce the yeah, kids what's to somebody. Your... My advice is don't introduce your kids to anybody right. until you're, you know, probably. What's the time? What's, is it I two don't... months, six months? Is it a year? I don't, like, know, that, you... I don't know that there's a, a specific timeline, but depends I will say. Depends on the person? Depends on the person. And you need to be really sure that you're building a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Some other factors play into it as well. It's like, look, if they have kids, then you're more than likely going to want to do some kid things and there's no reason why if they're you know if you're talking about that you're dating a you know let's just use the term say a quality person mm-hmm. if you're dating a quality person and you know, they have a kid that's around your kid's age and you want to go do something fun like you know spend a weekend at the beach or go to Disneyland or whatever, it's like I don't see any harm in that if there's this big rush to integrate them because, well, I have to set up my new family. It's like, well, no, you might just want to hold off on that. And if then there are no extenuating circumstances, then the longer you wait, the better because you want to be sure. And ha- dating as a single dad with a son. I know like you have oh, your, gosh. your I'm 50-50. A, oh, God. I, people are you online? Online dating? You yeah, but, you know, I'm in a real... 
you know, I'm in, I don't even know if I can hold myself up as an example for the overall dating story. We don't I, want to what does that, what does that yeah. mean? Like, no, I'm, you know, look, I'm in, a, I'm in a tough spot. So let me just be frank. I, my son's mom was much younger than me. So okay. now I have a young child. Mm-hmm. If I want to, if I want to date a woman my it. age, she probably doesn't want to deal with young kids anymore. 100%. If I want to deal, if I want to date a younger woman, she now I have, have this. Well, right, mm-hmm. exactly. I have to have this really, really weird, narrow area where they they have kids, don't want anymore. You know, this whole mm-hmm. kind Do of. Do you want them? Well, yes, but no, I would never do it. Okay. Oh. Because I'm too old. You're not that old. Uh, I'm too old to have another child. I'm not I'd make, like to do I'm it, but I never Jagger. will. It's I, like me yeah. in ecstasy. I'd love to do it, <laughs> but I, we all know I'm gonna I'm gonna hey, be scared and never do it. The weekend's just starting. I'm never gonna do it. Well, yes. here's the you know here's the funny thing, and I know you were you were, you were being humorous, but there's actually something in there. It's like saying I want to do ecstasy, but I'm never gonna do it. You could actually do it, and it would be all over in a weekend. If right. you have a kid, yeah. it's for life. There you go. And or at least I feel like it's for life. And that's why I would never have a kid. I don't ever, you know, and gosh, I've talked about this like with a number of different people. It's like, God, if you could maybe convince me that I was definitely going to have a daughter and maybe the physical aspects of things would be a little less demanding than having a son, uh, maybe I would consider. But the bottom line is, no, nah, I'm too but old now. Early, it's that simple. Tons of women are in their early 40s and they look, got 10-year-olds, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yeah. None of, yeah, I don't seem to be able to locate them. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh, plethora. Plethora. That's well, a good word. Well, plethora Click being the, the word of the day. The... No, really, I feel like this city, if I were to describe it, it would be the most eligible, hottest chicks ever, ever. in that age range, in 35 to 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, without breaking off into a whole nother episode. Right probably would agree with you from a hundred yards. Okay. okay. But there's a lot of other issues that come into play. And right. one of the problem in my per- now I'm not speaking from any point of view of expertise of any kind, just my personal experience. We all have a lot of to use the typical term baggage as we get older. And getting past, I don't know what you're talking about. past some of it is incredibly <laughs> difficult. And that's the other sort of trick. So it's a, a weird thing, but you also got to remember something. Even a 40-year-old woman, quite frankly, a 40-year-old woman is 20 years younger than me. Oh, so you're, oh still, I didn't know that. They're That's still I do carry the one sixty. Um, I think I think that you would look like forty eight. I'm forty seven, so yeah. don't take that as an insult. No, but no, I would have no. thought forty eight. No, I'm sixty, and you tell me I look like I'm forty eight. I don't take that as an insult. The bottom line is, though, as it relates to your kid, it's not just how you look. I mean, yeah, you know what? Right, I, right. At the risk of sounding like in like a pompous ass, I take care of myself, and I. You know, because of the business, I'm in a multitude of other reasons. Yeah, I like to, I like my appearance. But by the same token, I'm getting a knee replacement. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because there are some things that you can't dispute the math. At the end of the day, uh, my body is as old as it is. As a wonderland. And it's hard. Well, it's that too, depending on what area you're looking at. Not my (laughs) knees, though. (laughs) I I am here to say, and then we can change the topic. Shocking. He could I have. Know. You could. I. I could 
You could set him up I, with a million. I can't people. even talk. No, I if I come back, I want to come back as a man between forty-five and sixty, it's, single in this city. Yeah, seriously, and you're, just you're absolutely right. I get it. City. I get it. Okay, you know, no, no, you know what's true, but it, there is, um, it's tr- you know, dating. The, the bottom line is, at the end of the day, I don't care which avenue you take, whether you meet people, you go to mixers, you get introduced to people, you do online stuff, whatever it is, it's just hard. It's never hard to start. It's hard to maintain. To It's hard to get to the next level. I mean, you know, I have no problem getting a date. Right. I go out on a date every day. It's what do you do after the third date or the fourth date? Well, and do you find, and I think this is applicable to a lot of single parents, it's like <clears throat> a lot of times people don't want to entertain it because you have time that's strictly dedicated to your yeah, son. Exactly. And it's like, no, I can't see you right. four days a week. Yeah. If you're okay with that, that's great. But if not, then it's not going to work. Right. And a lot of people I don't think are up for that. Well, you know, but that, that's selfishness too. That's our own indulgent behavior sometimes mm-hmm. because let's face it, that's only in the beginning. Like I've even said that to somebody. It's like, yeah, right now I follow a very, very strict schedule. But if we become close and you become a part, important part of my life, well, then you're going to meet my child. And yeah, it's no problem. You want to come over? We're going to have dinner with the kid. I mean, you know what I mean? Yes, mm-hmm. we won't be able to jet off to Milan every weekend. Right. But, you know. There's... There's coronavirus anyway. Yeah, coronavirus anyway. Wait a few months. So, you know, it's short term, but, you know, there's what I find my personal experience uh, thus far in dating leaves me in sort of one or two camps. One is I don't really want anything serious and you're kind of fun and we go out, we have a good time, whatever. And and that's all I really want to do. And it's like, OK, there's not that there's anything really wrong with that. Or the, you know, I've also encountered it's, you know, it's like the third date. It's like, so yeah. what are we? Right. Exactly. Uh, nothing. They want to spend holidays together. <laughs> it's like, photo and Christmas cards. We're dating. Like Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's mind blowing to me. It's like, I, I don't understand. How do you think I could possibly be committed to you on any level other than the fact that, uh, you know, I'm more than willing to say, hey, I'm not sleeping with anybody else. But beyond that, like if you think this is a real serious thing after three or four, you know, dinners or movies or whatever the heck we did. Oh, wow. I don't even know what to say about that. So we've (laughs) actually had another podcast about dating and single dads and divorced Mm -hmm. dads. Um, and it seems like there's actually a mathematic formula behind it. Mm-hmm. And we've actually said it's it's 10, 10 conversations back and forth on an app before you take it to a phone. It's four dates before you move it to the bedroom. It's, you know, 12 years before you get a commitment. I mean, it varies. <laughs> <laughs> 12 years you that part's funny. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not... You don't have rules like that? I'm not a big fan about timelines. I mean, look, I just think you feel this stuff out. So whichever thing you're talking about, I mean, look, the very beginning, yeah, if you're using an app and you've gone back and forth on whatever Bumble a couple of times, it's like you have a little conversation. It's been scientifically Whatever little chat you're having on Bumble at a certain point in time, if you're not moving that into your private world, well, then you're just wasting your time. So move on from that. Everything else is... How you feel it. So I think at a certain point in time, you know if you feel like, um, you know, we really should be intimate by now. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? But I don't, I'm never really a big fan of that three dates or that four dates rule because it just puts a whole bunch of, you know. Unnecessary pressure. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, the, those are exactly the two words I was going to use. That's why go. when I set people you know. up, neither one of them know they're being set up. 
I just make them meet me at it's the same mystery. time, and then right. they're interested. But if right. I told both of them, I got someone to set you up right. with, they walk in and they're like, eh. "Yeah, it's weird. You're you're antsy. You're weird. You're you know, it's all kind of stuff like that." So, but I also wouldn't. I mean, you know, I mean, at the risk of sounding whatever, it's like I also dated someone for for a good long while that I slept with on the second date mm-hmm. and probably could have on the first date. Well, there you go. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, you know, I don't, I don't think there's. It's twenty twenty, guys. I mean, it's like yeah. it's not the fifties. We're but not back in, to co-parent. You know. No, yeah, I actually have a question. I have a question for you, actually, regarding redirect. <laughs> no, but I think so this is important. Um, have you ever had an experience where your son, you've introduced him to someone, and he's like, I don't like her? No, but I've had the reverse experience that was equally what, painful where he got attached to her, and now we're not together anymore. Uh, and okay. my son is the master right now of subtlety, so he is not beyond saying out of the blue. Well, he also says, you know, every once in a while, going to be, Dad, remember when we all used to live together? Hmm. Not right. like I don't think there's anything really weird there, but he knows it. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny I've t- talked about this on my channel. He's my kid's amazing. Sometimes very empathetic. You know, last thing one of the last times he brought this up, he said, "I think you should buy a building." He goes, and then we could all live there together. You and me and mom and Darren and, and you know Come and in. and grandma and our aunts and all that stuff. I'm just like, yeah, baby, that, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but it's still sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he has um, been in situations where he has, you know, brought up, you know, an ex-girlfriend of mine, mm-hmm. and it's it's, you know, it, it's a okay. little unfortunate. So if you met someone and you really were crazy about her, but he was like, "No way, Dad, I can't stand her. <sighs> I can't do. I don't like yeah. her." What? That would be very very difficult. I don't think that that could result in a long-term traditional relationship. Okay. Now, it'd be one thing to say, look, because everybody's also looking for something different in their, you know, lives too. It's like not everybody wants to sit by the fire every night. You know, look, I'm perfectly comfortable alone and quite frankly, I really enjoy being alone mm-hmm. sometimes. So a long time. You, I you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you want to tell me, hey, it's usually after my five day. Like so, for instance, I'm on my long week with him, and I love him to death, but he's tiring. So you know, come Monday's my first night off. It's like yeah, Monday could very likely be spent on my couch. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One hundred percent with no one. <laughs> so, you know. It, I think there's a I think there's a balance there, but there's no if he really actively disliked someone the way you're describing, I don't see how if he threw her wedding dress in the trash <laughs> prior to the wedding, would that be a bad thing? Yeah, that'd probably asking be, for a friend. So any friend. do you have any books that you recommend? Like say that we know some guys that were like they could really be a great better dad. Even a woman, a woman too, but I feel like certain books are better for men. Like there's books I could give to a man and they're like, this is fluff. Do you have any good books? Not specifically about parenting per se, but I think there's two amazing books. One is the um, 
oh god, after I pro, after I hype it up like that, uh, it's a book about attachment styles. Uh-huh. So it talks more about dating and why we are attracted to certain kind of people, but it ties into your relate all of your relationships. I think you can take what's in that book and apply it to all your relationships very very easily. And then there is a another book in Good Grief, if I can remember the name of, but it's basically. Uh, no, I do remember the name. It's Children of the Self-Obsessed. So if you had narcissistic, a narcissistic parent in your life, how that flows down through you, with the things you are more likely to do. I mean, look, there. You know, we're going to drift off the road here, but therapy is a huge thing. I think everybody should do it. I did it when I got divorced you know, way back when, because my lawyer was like, it's a good idea. Go to therapy. Just do it. And I was like, rah, 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 rah. and then I went the very first time. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. You're like, can I stay? I unloaded like all of this stuff to a completely non-judgmental person who also has enough expertise to help guide you with some good questions. It was it was truly life-changing. So I spent a lot of time learning about how my parents' relationship affected me, the things that they did, all of that kind of stuff. And um, But there's no, I don't think that you automatically, because you hear it a lot, it's like, well, you were abused, so you become an abuser. Or you're a narcissist, so your kids are not, eh, yeah, that's not cut and dry. I can, I know people personally, very close friends that had horrific parents and are literally, and I'm, now I'm going to speak about men specifically, mm-hmm. had really, really not great dads and are amazing dads because they held it up as the example. Instead of falling into the pattern and falling into the trap, they held it up as that's not going to be me mm-hmm. and used it as motivation. Mm-hmm. So if you could, you know, as we're wrapping this up, if you could give one piece of advice, like one nugget to dads out there who might be struggling. To this TED a, Talk. To this TED Talk. Welcome to my TED Talk. Um, one kind of, your message behind what you're doing, if you could summarize it and just kind of put it out there. I don't think it would be one thing. It would be two things. It's uh, the number one thing, without a doubt, is be present. Be a part of your kid's life. It's got, it, I said this all before, it's got nothing to do with money. It has to do with time. There's a saying I've quoted on one of my channels, your, on one of my episodes, your child spells love, T-I-M-E. And it's huge. You cannot replace that. The less time you spend interacting with your children, the more time it's going to take you to build a bond. And you need the bond. Because if you don't have the bond, they're not going to trust you. And if they don't trust you, there's always going to be an issue. You know, right now, my kid's little. He tells me everything. He's he's the first person to go, Dad, I did this. And he, like, hands me his phone. You know, he self-punishes. That's not, you know, that's not going to happen when they're teenagers. If you don't have a good dialogue and they don't trust you, they're not going to tell you things they should be telling you. So being present for your child, regardless of anything to do with money or anything like that, is the number one most important thing. The second thing is be a non-judgmental co-parent and put all that anger and crap aside and just focus on what the real issue is. Let's let's say again the name of the fatherhood. Is that what it is? Uh, the fatherhood channel the fatherhood uh, is channel. my podcast and my yeah. vlog on YouTube. Click and surprise. Uh, click and subscribe. I should say. <laughs> and surprise! Be surprised. Too. Subscribe and be surprised. <laughs> surprise and subscribe. And if you are a woman listening to this, send it to your guy friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had, uh, that's like, happened. Turn they'll, people on to they're it. They're gonna like mm-hmm. it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much Thank for you. having me. This was wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Cool.
All right. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Bob Jumarco Fatherhood. Follow my Instagram at BG Mix. The Fatherhood Channel podcast is produced by AE Media.